0: back to episode 48 of Establish the Collection. I am your host, Cody Main, joined as always by a very well-traveled Gary Hartman back from a three-week-long honeymoon, hashtag how rich. Gary, happy to be back with you. Good to see your uh, beautiful smiling face. How, were, how was the uh, adventure across the pond?
1: Yeah, thanks, man. You probably can't tell with the lighting in my living room right now, but I'm probably as tan as, as uh, pale old me will, will ever get. So, uh, <laughs> no, it was, it was really great. I mean, you know, we had kind of a delayed honeymoon. We were, out, we were waiting for the weather to turn. Um, and, you know, with all the COVID stuff that was happening around when we got married. So we spent, yeah, three weeks in northern Spain, south of France, uh, French wine country as well. Very bougie of us, but it was, it was fantastic, <laughs> man. Like, drank well, ate well, um, stayed in amazing places, got upgraded for the honeymoon. You know, a- excellent uh, sun, food. Some of the Best food of my life. It was just really a, a fantastic trip. Definitely recharged all the batteries um, heading into football season. Ended at one of my best friends' weddings in London, and then you know been back for for uh, a couple of days now, and and been kind of grinding the the football streets as we're we're getting ready for uh, what I mean training camps are opening up this week. So all good stuff over here, man
0: yeah i mean what what a trip and what a perfect timed trip because man there's there's very little very little time left in in either of our lives for vacations for days off uh we're about to hit hot and heavy season here with the football season kicking off preseason starting august 4th i believe with the hall of fame game uh, which you and i will both be covering and then man it's going to be right into the season and we will both be very, very, very busy uh, until February and then probably beyond uh, yeah. with, with basketball and things going on for you as well. So uh, good time, good, well time trip, well-timed honeymoon. Glad you guys were able to get away for a few weeks and uh, definitely happy to have you back as I know our listeners are as well. It's been a month. I, I just, just looked. I know. June 21st was our last episode. By the time you guys are hearing this, it's probably going to be July 21st. So uh, it, it's been a good month off to, to re- recharge and we've got plenty to cover here.
1: Yeah, I can't imagine a longer hiatus than that. I mean, obviously, for, for my schedule, especially with the ETR side of things, i working for basketball, and then this season I'll be doing stuff with football. I mean, really, there's only this period, a little short, you know, six-ish week period in between the two sports where I can get away. Uh, and obviously, when you throw the honeymoon into it, that was about as long as a break as we'll have. I mean, obviously, you'll see us skip a week here or there. But yeah, a month. We're excited to be back. I mean, I know you're going to dive in in a second here before, as we promised, we we're going to do a Best Ball Mania draft today, promised a month ago before we left that we were going to get that to you guys, and we are excited to do that. But obviously, a lot has happened over the last month in the world of sports, in the world of cards. Um, we'll touch on some of it quickly here on the top, but we'll get we'll get to all of that in the coming weeks.
0: Yeah, BBM3 draft coming, as we did tease a month ago now. If you guys remember from episode 47, we will hop into a lobby here quickly, but It really hasn't been football on top of mind, at least over the last couple of weeks uh, since we've been gone. It's been NBA draft slash offseason rumor mill uh, news going on. And then we just are are in the midst of the MLB All-Star break. We just had an uh, exciting home run derby last night with a couple of big young stars worth watching why don't you take it with the nba draft because there was a lot of information swirling around is it going to be jabari is it going to be paolo well, i know a lot of etr guys i know a lot of people uh just following along on twitter got on to paolo at 20 to 1 yeah. i think uh it's a catch the 101 ticket there what what were your biggest takeaways from the nba draft and what do you think about this upcoming class
1: yeah, fun draft, uh, and and ironically, as, as we just got Prism out from last year's, which is, yeah. is you know really turning out to be an excellent, well-rounded class. I mean, this year, um, maybe not as deep as last year's class, but I think from a star power standpoint at the top, uh, maybe even more exciting. So, uh, you know, obviously, Paolo Banchero goes, goes number one, which started getting murmurs about that a couple days before the draft, as you mentioned. No one really expected it, but hey, Orlando came in, probably took what was the most NBA-ready guy right off the bat. And in my opinion— you know, I don't think he's as exciting or as much of an upside play as, you know, maybe a Cade Cunningham from this year's draft or even uh, the guy who came after him, Chet Holmgren, if he can actually kind of reach his full potential. But I think that might actually present a little bit of an opportunity when, you know, products and NBA Top Shot does come out for somebody like him, because I don't know what it is, but something about these super well-rounded. I mean, to me, it's like a, you know, it, it almost like a, I don't know, it, it just those, those, those six, eight type of power forwards that are truly offensive games they end up having excellent, excellent careers. I mean, we think Jason Tatum and, and you know, obviously there's been uh, comparisons along along those lines. Um, and, you know, I think there's a lot more room for him to grow. But I think, you know, set up in Orlando where they're building a young foundation, um, you know, I think that he's going to put up... I think he will win Rookie of the Year and all good. I think he's favored by, by a good amount. I mean, I think he, an injury would have to derail that. I mean, he can come in and put up numbers right away. He showed in the summer league how good of a passer he is. Uh, so, yeah, I mean... Really surprising to see him go over both Jabari, who had the kind of the mantle of, of the uh, you know, media for that number one spot for most of the draft season, and then Chet, uh, obviously, who might have the highest ceiling. But I think that the upside is really there for all three of these guys, and Paolo, uh, if he's coming in cheaper than like a Chet Holmgren on products when that stuff comes out, I mean, we have a long way to go, but I'd be certainly be interested. So excited about, about the top there, uh, Paolo included.
0: What do you, what do you make of Chet? Because, and I don't know if polarizing is the right word, maybe it was just kind of the, the Twitter rhetoric after that first summer league game, when he just popped off immediately. And it's like, Oh my God, Chet's the real deal. Right. But average 14 points, 8.4 rebounds, 2.8 assists, and almost five stocks in summer league, obviously different level of competition when he, when he hits the bigs, but What do you make uh, of Chet's game? And what do you think that would translate into for as, as far as his card market?
1: Yeah. I mean, if he could just stay, if he could stay healthy and grow into his body a little more, I, and you know, the stay healthy thing is a big thing when you have that kind of body. So those kind of things go hand in hand, but you know, Big ifs, because we haven't seen it happen too much in NBA history that that kind of body can hold up. I mean, he specifically has a, a unique body that we really haven't seen before. But I mean, his his feel for the game, his instincts, and the natural talent is all there. And we've known this about Chet for years. I mean, he was the house. He was like one of the original like boomers of House of Highlights. You know, like he, from three four years ago yep. when he first started coming on the high school scene. Um, a natural shot blocker, obviously. But the upside is insane, 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 insane. So uh, I'm interested for sure. I, I think you know it's it's one of those same things. When you invest in someone like him, you have to take, you have to bake in the inherent risk of what, and, you know, if you're looking at his long-term investment, basically, if you're trying to get into, you know, really, really high-end stuff, you know, if someone like that, you're putting in a big investment, you have to bake in the long-term career risk of what, you know, what that can look like. But if it all comes together, and certainly in Summer League, we're off to a great start for, for the Chet Holmgren fans, uh, you know, it could be something we've never seen before. Like, truly, those kind of words. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's exciting. I, you know, I, I like watching Chet. I'm excited. I'm root for him.
0: You brought up his body style, and I don't know if you saw this tweet. I think it was from Action Network, or maybe it was DraftKings Sportsbook. One of the, one of those accounts tweeted out um, when the first five legs of your parlay hits, and you're waiting for the final leg to hit. Yeah, and it's it's just a picture of Chet's leg, <laughs> 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 because you just know, yeah. <laughs> you just know that that thing is not holding up. Uh, but yeah, he very slight build. Obviously, you guys know know the whole deal with Chet. But it, it's it's really uh, almost like. Uh, awe-inspiring to see him play basketball with that build and be as as fluid as he is with that build it's just pretty awesome to watch yeah.
1: google has him listed at seven feet 190 i would i would actually think he's like more like seven one like 180 like he's literally i would take that, the, would take the under thin. on 190 and i would take the over on seven feet so like right. it's it's really crazy uh you know he but but he he's fluid and gonzaga didn't mm-hmm. really use him correctly that was the other yeah. thing i mean they did for their system they knew what they were doing they were trying to win national championship but as far as unleashing the talent that is chet holmgren like and that's what I was so exciting. And, and OKC must have been over the moon to get him at two, especially for where they are in in their rebuild. But, man, that's a team that, watch, if they finally let these kids play, and I, I would have, I would be hesitant about that. I think that with, with Victor Wembenyama next year, who's kind of mm-hmm. legitimately, everyone is now saying the best prospect since LeBron James, which is crazy. Um, you know, with him coming out next year and, and the Spurs throwing their hat in the ring, the Jazz clearly throwing their hat in the ring. We'll talk about some of these things in a minute. Um, but, you know, I think that, the thunder probably are going to tank it up for one more year, but if they do let all these guys go with SGA and giddy and Chet, all guys that I'm really interested in and and I'm excited about. So, uh, you know, they're, they're in an interesting spot.
0: It's funny as we talk about BBM three, there's the underdog has already launched their NBA best ball product. So maybe, maybe, you know, one of these days, I think we should really, really push ourselves and try and multi-table one of these and just go do a BBM three and do an NBA best ball draft and kind of talk through card markets as we go through it. Just
1: Yeah. I like it. That would be, uh, that would be the all good... chaos,
0: the all chaos team.
1: Yes, exactly. Um, yeah, real, I know, real quick here. Any of these right? other
0: guys, uh, you know, going down the board, Jaden, Jaden, Ivy, Keegan Murray, uh, Shaden Sharp, Dyson Daniels, any of these other guys uh, either impress you through summer league thus far, or any, any games that you had kept an eye on as we headed into the NBA draft season that, that stand out to you as card market potential?
1: Yeah, I think Jabari Smith took the the, the biggest jump from like Right out the bat going to be, you know, a big hobby name and, you know, number one overall pick type of thing to, you know, I think it's a good fit for him in Houston for where they're at. But I think playing alongside a, a Jalen Green and, and, you know, kind of what they have going on over there with Kevin Porter Jr. And the ball in his hands, like I just think that he's got to gonna have a little bit of a way to go to make an impact in the hobby for like, where he's exciting enough on the court to, have to be a hobby name. Um, so I think watching him is an interesting spot, uh, you know, and I also just don't know if he's going to be the kind of guy compared to the first two that is as exciting for the hobby. Maybe one day, maybe, uh, Jaden Ivy though, going to five to the Pistons, uh, really, really interesting spot for him. I mean, everyone thought that he was locked into number four. Now he goes plays alongside Kane and Cunningham. Um, I'm a little worried that he can like, it, say that backcourt just hits to the, to the max. Right. Um, mm-hmm usually you don't see the number two guy kind of have as much love as the number one so i'm a little worried about him from an investing standpoint uh if we're just looking at it from that lens but i'm excited about that young pistons team uh in general and then yeah i mean the kings go and take keegan murray who was mvp of summer league so um you know uh, he looks so nba ready and ready to go mm-hmm. so i i'd be interesting i you know i have my eye on him uh for sure but no i mean we'll, we'll talk about these guys as kind of The NBA season ramps up when we do eventually do an NBA underdog draft. There's going to be a lot to talk about. But I think just in general, the NBA offseason, we didn't want to kind of just let it kind of slide by without discussing because both the draft and big trades and trade requests and free agency have all happened since we last spoke.
0: Yeah, and I think all the Donovan Mitchell stuff, the Kevin Durant stuff, the stuff that's still kind of hanging out there waiting. Maybe we can hit on that next week as potentially we get some news. You, you yeah, know, we, could talk we
1: could talk to the John T. Murray trade next week too. Like we could talk all that, the movement, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and any NBA signings we can, we'll hit on that next week. Cause that's more, we can more kind of take a, a, a look at what that will mean for their card markets. And honestly, the NBA card market in general remains down as we're in the off season now. So I think we're not kind of doing you a disservice by uh, not getting to talk about this now. Um, you know, obviously, my Knicks largely implicated in some of these Donovan Mitchell rumors. We'll, we'll have plenty of time to talk a lot about that.
0: We, we might have to do like a special breaking episode, yeah. a, a live reaction. If, yeah, we if, should. We should do an emergency
1: <laughs> emergency episode if uh, if Donovan Mitchell gets traded to the Knicks. Which, I'll just say this: I am expecting it to happen. I'm hoping that they don't give up the the entire cupboard, but I'm expecting it to happen eventually. So.
0: hopefully hopefully all right we'll keep our eyes up for that as you get ready here to pull up a bbm three draft we'll get in the lobby want to talk real quick about mlb all-star break some of the big names last night that went out and performed really well obviously uh juan soto defeating julio rodriguez in the home run derby a lot going on with juan soto at this point had turned down a 15 year 444 440 million dollar contract extension some trade uh trade talk rumors swirling now what do you make of the whole Juan Soto situation and any other names that are uh, worth keeping an eye on as we return from the all-star break
1: yeah I mean Soto's fascinating um, you know some some trusty people yesterday after he turned down this 440 million dollar offer have said that they expect him to now get traded over the next two to four weeks until uh, the till the deadline which is going to be insane They're probably the biggest package you ever see mm-hmm. for a 20 I mean it's 23. And yeah, you're paying for the right. You're you're trading for the right to pay him, but he's still a top five player in the league, top six player in the league. I'm hoping my Yankees throw the hat in the ring there. I think it's only going to help him um, because no matter what, he's almost definitely going to go to a contender. So this year, and if those teams are set up well, whether it's like the Yankees, the the Dodgers, the Braves, the Mets, whatever, um, they're all pretty set much set up well for long term success. I think it's going to help him a lot. Uh, You know, it's not he's not a cheap entry point at all is a Juan Soto, but you know, I think just in general, keep your eye there because if you're looking to for an opportunity to kind of get off some Juan Soto while the Nationals are kind of stuck in no man's land, I'd be waiting now to see, A, does he get the bump from a bigger market? B, is he playing in a possible World Series this year, right? Like, it's all stuff that's going to kind of be sitting in Juan Soto's favor. So, exciting stuff for him. I'm, ah, man, if I'm the Yankees, I'll be offering anything. So, you know, the Yankees are in the midst of their best season, start of the seasons in pretty much my entire lifetime, and that includes some of these great teams, the 98, 99 uh, teams. So, really exciting stuff there. And then um, the other side of, of that Homer derby last night, the final was Julio Rodriguez, who I was saying, you know, we haven't done, uh, I'll hop in a best ball here. Um, we haven't done too much on the young superstars of the game, but you know, he really is an exciting one to watch out for. So I would be, um, I would be, you know, for sure keeping your eye on someone like him. I mean, the, the star power is just so evident. He's a five tool player. You know, I think his stuff is up crazy. Over the last month, as you can see here on Card Letter, 136% just for for his prospect Chrome card, not the autograph. That's really, really high for a 6,800 pop. Um, Really, really high. I'd be selling this card particularly, but I'm really interested in his autograph, lower refractor stuff. He's got a chance to be an all-time great. He really does. And he's showing it right off the bat since he's been called up to Seattle. Uh, You know, charismatic, good-looking kid, can do literally everything. Um, Showed it on the big stage last night. Really exciting player. So.
0: Hopping back to the the basketball discussion, discussion, did I miss that uh, na- National Treasures is coming out this week?
1: Yeah, so we should talk about that too. Quickly, so we missed Pri- Prism came out about a week and a half ago mm-hmm. or two weeks ago. National Treasures is, is is coming out this week, and then the national the card National Convention is next weekend. So when we record next week, we'll be in between both when National Treasures comes out and the National Convention, which I'm planning on driving down to AC and just spending a couple of days there myself, and we'll talk about we'll talk about that, but. that's the reason I think it makes so much more sense to talk from a card perspective next week. We can kind of do an all encapsulating, uh, you know, show, but yeah, national treasure is coming out prism. So we got a lot, you know, brewing in the card world for sure. Over the next two weeks.
0: Yeah. I think next week makes so much sense to do kind of a sports card specific, you know, very, very sports card, micro level, uh, specific analysis on some of the recent releases. And then you can kind of give your takes on uh, what you saw at the national as well, coming up here too.
1: So can you see this? Okay. Cody. I got gotcha. you. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So we got. And the for 10, everyone, for everyone following along
0: yeah. the podcast, if you guys haven't yet checked out the YouTube channel, we just recently launched the Establish the Collection YouTube channel as well. So if you guys want to check out this draft as we go through it, these are always fun to watch along with. See how the team shakes out. We've got the one seven here. Yep. Uh, again, if you want to watch, head over to YouTube, uh, Establish the Collection. We've got our own channel set up now.
1: Is this still working, this share? Because I just moved it over.
0: Uh, I lost you. Okay.
1: Hold on. Okay. So that's working, right? Yep. You're good there. Okay keep it over there i'm trying to get the board up as well uh, so i mean and, i i'm 70 drafts into best ball and if you're, <laughs> i was if you're just not gonna say it. with best ball go ahead yeah go
0: ahead, go ahead as yeah as we were talking off air gary is 70 drafts in this was this is literally my first bbm3 draft my first uh best ball draft of the entire offseason which might seem crazy if you guys are even tangentially related to the fantasy football world because best ball has absolutely taken over it is definitely best ball summer um so you know as we go through this we're, we're planning on talking through some fantasy strategy planning on talking through some player level takes um but also kind of relating that to the card market as well as jonathan taylor goes with the 101 i think that's pretty much consensus at this point right i know some people are talking christian mccaffrey but it's it's basically jt 101
1: yes it's pretty much jt 101 and i and i'm bad at screen sharing stuff so i'm putting on the same screen here both uh, well, the board, so we can kind of go back and forth. Yeah. As well as here, is that working when I click back and that's, forth? That's that's
0: perfect. Okay, yeah, I got both cool. well, now.
1: Yeah. So so JT and as uh, it's pretty much one on one. Although you see Christian McCaffrey's ADP is about two point uh, three, and and JT's isn't just one one point one anymore. He's like one point five. So you see some you sometimes see Christian McCaffrey go one as well. And this is usually the top five here. Taylor Cup uh, went one hundred two in this draft. He usually goes one hundred three or one hundred four. McCaffrey, Jefferson, and Chase. Uh, Henry goes 106 here so we're on the clock usually if Austin Eckler does fall past six I will take him Um, you know we're really excited about that Brandon Staley offense and everything that's going on with the Chargers plus I like either a zero or hero RB build especially at this point in the offseason so uh, I don't know how you feel about that but Austin Eckler at 107 feels pretty good to me
0: yeah I like it I think we're both really bullish on this Chargers team in in general and I think some of the Uh, the moves that they made this offseason, especially on the defensive side of the ball, could lend itself to more touches for Austin Eckler this year as well. Obviously, a guy that's going to perform well, uh, even in half PPR. I I really like that.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you know, he is someone that you know they did bring in Isaiah Spiller to actually kind of maybe secure that backup running back role this year, and he goes about in the 130s overall. Uh, usually in these drafts, which is, uh, what, the 11th, 12th round. So we can think about that later, and we can kind of have a handcuff conversation in general. But I think his role in that offense is really secure. We saw him be used around the goal line even more last year. And and just in general, um, you know, I think that that Staley and Herbert offense will take another step up, which is one of the reasons that we've spoken about on this offseason about just being still excited about Justin Herbert and those weapons long term.
0: Yeah. And, you know, just looking at Justin Herbert, even his PSA 10, just base, you know, we talked about that base card that's got such a high pop count and it's only climbing, you know, it's, it's, it's been relatively flat over the last 30 days down just 3%. I expect, you know, as we'll talk about some of these sales that we've seen recently, I expect this trend to start to pick up as we head into training camp, as we head into preseason, as football comes into full focus and people start making their bets on the regular season, I would expect maybe not this base card, but uh, the more shorter printed Justin Herbert cards, silvers, uh, autograph cards, colored refractors to start to pick up Uh, in terms of sale price as well.
1: I agree, and we're a pick away, and now we're on the clock. And the only interesting thing of note that's happened since we last picked is that Tyreek Hill went really early at number eight. Mm -hmm. He usually goes around the end of the second round. So that might open up some opportunities for us, and it does here where Mike Evans falls about four picks past ADP for us. And, I mean, I've been all over Evans with Brady back with no Gronk. Yeah, will the defensive coverage be there for him, but it doesn't matter. He's one of the all-time great goal line wide receivers. I mean, he's been as consistent as they come since he's been in the league. Is he getting older? Sure. But is there really no other weapons on that team? uh yeah i mean at least that you could trust until chris godwin comes back from injury um you know really excited about mike evans in the middle of the second round
0: yeah and as levitan says or maybe it was silva maybe both of them i think it was silva that said mike evans was put on earth to score touchdowns so we're going to get those mike evans touchdowns he's going to be a volume hog until they get chris godwin back love love that pick in the second round
1: yeah for sure i've been taking him anywhere from between like 14 and 20 there if he falls and 18 is a good number for for him. And, the, you know, I like the running backs in that middle of the second round range, Saquon, Aaron Jones, sometimes Leonard Fournette, uh, DeAndre Swift, but uh, Swift and Jones were both already gone. And, you know, that's the benefit of grabbing, you know, a hero RB or, or a top RB in the first round as you can kind of, you know, play best player available in that second round pick there, um, you know, for sure. How are you feeling about Tampa this year? I mean, not too much to talk about from a card perspective. Tom Brady can only add to that legacy. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm happy to see him back.
0: Yeah. You know, in terms of, in terms of legacy, I think if there's any, any conference that you want to bet on a quarterback coming out of it's the NFC, the AFC, as we've talked about off season episodes, is just absolutely loaded. So if you're looking at a quarterback, you know, whether it's, it's Brady or somebody else uh, to, to potentially add to their legacy this year with a a deep playoff run or potential MVP candidacy, I think you're looking at an NFC quarterback, obviously no one better than, better than Tom Brady to do that. But in terms of card market, I don't think we're adding much, Uh, Much value there. I was curious, any of these names that have gone off the board in the first two rounds, obviously all skill position players still to this point. We saw the Cooper Cup meteoric rise last year. We saw Jonathan Taylor have a big rise up to a certain point last year. Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, same thing with their card markets. Do any of these names that have gone off the board in the first two rounds, uh, now first part of the third round, any of these guys stand out as potential uh, buys to stockpile even if it's raw refractors or raw silvers to 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 potentially offload during the regular season.
1: Yeah. Let's go back to our guy that we were both buying last year. Um, And I still think that despite it being a good season last year, it was largely disappointing. Uh, And that's Stefan Diggs, right? I mean, I think once again, now he's in position to, you know, be as good as he was two years ago. Um, You know, Emmanuel Sanders is no longer there. Obviously Gabriel Davis, we expect a lot more out of this year, but it's no sure thing. And I think just, you know, the way that offense operates, I, you know, Diggs compiled his way to a decent season last year, but didn't have too many spike weeks. Uh, I think that we'll see more of those 100-yard games, two-touchdown type games. That is Stephon Diggs uh, as we're on the clock here. Um, you know, all interesting names right here that I'd be comfortable taking, including Josh Allen. We'll talk about him whenever he goes. But anyone of interest to you here, you see ADPs with Connor, DJ Moore. Uh, I'll let you kind of take, take the reins here.
0: Yeah, I think I'm kind of in on D.J. Moore here. You know, D.J. Moore is a guy that we've liked with bad quarterback play. We think there's probably an upgrade there with Baker Mayfield being traded to Carolina. We can maybe talk a little bit of Baker Mayfield. But uh, D.J. Moore's just been a baller, and, and he's done it with really bad quarterback play. You get that quarterback upgrade, uh, maybe a slight offensive upgrade as well here, just overall for Carolina. Then I think maybe D.J. Moore could outperform expectation as well
1: yeah i love dj more there and also uh as if you've ever been on any of these best ball streams or just kind of hear the best ball bros talking about week 17 correlation uh carolina tampa bay is a week 17 match up there so we got my devins <laughs> who knows maybe we'll go for tom brady type thing later it's on the table but uh, makes sense from a uh you know correlation standpoint as we're trying to win two million dollars here that cody and i could split You Um, know, I I was
0: just about to ask you what your take was on week 17. And as a, as, as a non best ball bro, who has not been doing these drafts, who has not been grinding week 17 correlation to be able to get that. I I absolutely love that. So what is is
1: your, what is your
0: general take on week 17 correlation? Are you someone that's forcing it? Are you someone that's getting it where it makes sense? Are you reaching past ADP to make sure it happens or or what's the plan there? No, I
1: it's, it's, it's probably a mix of reaching when it makes sense. um, But, but just. Trying to kind of naturally bring it into my builds, right? If I'm if I'm planning between two or three running backs or receivers in the same tier, I'll definitely pick the one that has the correlation with my week 17 matchup. You kind of have to think that way if you're really trying to win these tournaments. Uh, you can't completely ignore it. It's such a big tournament this year, Best Ball Mania 3, uh, 400 plus person. Uh, final as opposed to uh, in the hundreds last year so it's it's so hard to when you're gonna you know to win that week 17 two million dollar prize you're almost gonna have to have whatever the game stack is of the week so you know thinking about correlation is is not necessarily the the number one objective especially considering there's a million dollar regular season prize in this one but it is certainly an important factor no doubt about it uh, to wrap up my point on digs quickly i just think that that bill's offense is positioned once again to be really exciting and this guy just got josh allen the guy that got Stefon Diggs at 11 which was already three picks past adp just got josh allen at 38 which is eight picks past adp i'm officially scared of this team in the 11 hole also has travis kelsey that's
0: that's yeah. an awesome team
1: yeah yeah uh i i can't believe this guy took mahomes over him to basically give him that josh allen stack but uh that's neither here nor there i suppose um but yeah, so now we're in the, in the middle of the fourth round here on the clock. I mean, there's some of these dead zone type running backs starting to pop up, um, you know, or you can keep hammering uh, receivers or skill position. So, you know, I, I usually would keep going skill position or quarterback here if it made sense, but I'm probably looking at skill position here still. Uh, yeah. Wide I, th- I
0: think I'm with you. Uh, I don't know what your takes are on this Oakland offense, but I kind of like Darren Waller as well. I know Gabe Davis is everyone's, uh, you know, f- favorite uh, under the radar wide receiver who is no longer under the radar. Uh, we, we could, we could go that route, but I like Darren Waller here.
1: Yeah, I I feel really good about our top two receivers. Um, You know, I like getting one of the – premier tight ends if we can get them Um, I really want to have some exposure to that Vegas offense this year for sure you know talking I I think we've spoken a little bit about it on some of the ETR flagship pods about you know can this Raiders offense really sustain all three of these you know prime pass catchers and I don't know who it was maybe Leone who who mentioned that you know it's not that similar from Cincinnati where all the volume is going to go to these three guys so yeah um, you know they're going to be really pass happy we've seen Derek Carr kind of have some of the best years of his career who I also think is an interesting offseason buy especially with where they're at Yes, obviously he's in the loaded division, in the loaded AFC, but, you know, bringing in Devontae Adams, Darren Waller, and Renfro taking another year up. I'm excited about the Raiders offense in general.
0: I wanted to, to circle back on Josh Allen and just kind of reiterate this quarterback market and how things are yeah. settling in here now in the, in the offseason as we approach training camp. Josh Allen last three months his base prism PSA ten pop count of fifteen hundred slightly over fifteen hundred uh, holding pretty strong up one yeah. percent still going for five hundred and eighty eight dollars so I don't I, you know I don't think we're going to see any more dipping in that market as. We head into the regular season. So, where are we at with just uh, off-season buying window? Have those have those windows slammed shut? Should we still be looking to add to our portfolio heading into the regular season?
1: Well, we mentioned for like the elite surefire quarterbacks that we weren't seeing much of an off-season dip, and it was kind of a stable place to be uh, when we kind of talked about the the bear market in general right now. So that's that's as you just mentioned with Josh Allen, I think that stayed true. I think there's been buying opportunities for some of the you know mid-tier guys. If you're interested in in you know taking. Uh, you know, shots on on a second, third, fourth year leap, like Jalen Hurts types, guys, we've seen some interest there. And I think that they're still buying opportunities on skill positions and kind of the mid to low tier quarterbacks. Uh, but, you know, the Herberts, the Allens, the Mahomes of the world, as Justin Herbert goes off the clock at 50 there, which is really low for him. He usually goes, uh, oh, not that low. He usually goes around 44. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think those guys are all kind of secure and just stable. And I think, Uh, you know that you're you're at this point i'd be holding them just heading into the season if you expect them to continue their their rise as you know pro bowlers future hall of famers
0: at what point do you start thinking about setting up your stacks are you kind of wait are you kind of basing that off of the the early round picks that you've got are you thinking now maybe it's time for tom brady as we head into the later rounds is it time for baker mayfield super late we should be thinking about Derek carr is it something that you just kind of let happen more organically as the so draft goes on
1: i let it happen based on who my early picks are except if somebody falls like really far out of adp and specifically someone that you're comfortable being naked right like if lamar jackson had fallen to us here at 55 i think we could have made an argument that would have been an interesting spot to look despite the fact that we don't have andrews or bateman right um you know if uh if you felt that way about kyler too who was a little early for him i'm just saying in general i think that's a way to look at this um you know, no one jumping off the board for me here. I'm not really interested in going to one of these running backs. I'd probably wait a couple more rounds before diving back in there. But, I mean, Juju Smith-Schuster is somebody that at ETR in general we've been really excited about. Still very young, obviously going into that Patrick Mahomes offense. He's up there in one of my most owned receivers, but I have no problem with it. We're taking him right at ADP here. Uh, how are you feeling about KC, Mahomes, Juju this year? I know they have a little bit of a tough early season schedule.
0: Yeah, definitely an interesting pick. I, do you think that Juju has the capability of separating as as this team's clear wide receiver one and being the guy that is earning that 23 to 25% target share behind, maybe behind Kelsey, but do you think that he could be that guy to be an alpha in this offense?
1: I do think so. Um, I think he'll earn targets pretty pretty easily and pretty reliably. And like, while we may be more excited about you know, spike weeks from like MVS or, or Sky Moore, uh, I still think at the end of the day, those guys are going to be more deep threats that might not have the consistency week in, week out that Juju and Kelsey are going to be able to provide this season. Um, you know, we, we just can't forget that Juju was dealing with Ben Roethlisberger the last couple of years, and we were all pretty consensus that he was like a top 7, 8 receiver in the league after that big breakout year three or four years ago. So I think the change of scenery for him uh, playing with the top three quarterback in the league, I, I'm buying all the way into Juju this year for sure.
0: I love it. I love it. Yeah, Which It's also it's would a, be an interesting
1: uh, card opportunity too, right? You probably get his stuff for two, three, four bucks right now. Um, you know, they the Chiefs do what they've been doing. You know, no no reason to think that he isn't an interesting buy either. So.
0: Yeah, and I mean, you mentioned some of the names. It's Juju, it's MVS, it's Sky Moore, and then Mikel Hardman, who is a guy that we've been chasing our tails on forever. So yeah, it, would, it wouldn't be surprising to see at all Juju be the guy that separates. Is he from that, is it 2017 class?
1: I think so. Yeah, I think that's right.
0: Yeah, I mean, you could scoop that stuff up super, super cheap, Keep even keeping it raw. Uh, a guy that you could just absolutely unload after big games unload all the way throughout the regular season as well. And if they happen to make a, a late season playoff push, then you've, you you're talking some of those Cooper cup type returns as he's in prime time in front of viewers eyes every week.
1: Exactly. Um, So, yeah, so we're in an interesting spot coming up with our pick here. It can go a bunch of different ways. Obviously, I think our receivers are are pretty solid. You know, the running backs in this zone aren't bad. I think Elijah Mitchell's really interesting with San Francisco wanting to be really uh, run first. I think if we were not to take him, uh, A.J. Dillon's another guy at this spot that we're just so, you know, interested in what that Packers run game is going to look like. Or we could wait around and go to kind of, you know, those uh, around or two and go to kind of those, uh, you know, interesting pass game type running backs that can have upside and do it that way uh you know a lot of receivers that are interesting in this in this range here um you know kyler just goes off the board at 65 so the only quarterback we'd be looking at here is jalen hurts which i also have no problem with he's a guy that doesn't scare me to go naked either um so you can go a lot of different directions here in the sixth round uh do you have a preference
0: let's see what are are you what's your take on the san francisco backfield at this point do you like elijah mitchell
1: Yeah, I do like Elijah Mitchell. Um, I think if we were to get him, he'd be the kind of running back that I'd also maybe look to get like a Tyrion Davis Price towards the end of the draft with him, just because you know the uncertainty there is not totally uh, you know away. Just given that Shanahan can surprise us with the back to use, but there's no doubt that um, he absolutely was in love with Elijah Mitchell down the stretch last year uh, and for most of the season and he you know he was pretty good I think with Trey Lance in the in the mix there I think they're going to become, want to be even more run heavy this year than they were last year we already know Debo Samuel kind of wanted to take himself out of that run game a little bit more um yeah Trey Lance might into that a little bit but I think it should offset uh and Elijah Mitchell I think is an exciting uh back for for the season especially where he's going I think that's a really fair range for him in the middle of the sixth round
0: You know, I see Kadarius Tony's name there uh, with 84.1 overall ADP, and I start to get really excited here about a quarterback Daniel Jones that we're Mm -hmm. obviously very high on. Did you happen to see the final sale price for the Daniel Jones card at Golden that just went for $56,400 for yes. his logo, man.
1: Yes, I did. That's, that's his top card in the world. Uh, that's mm-hmm. his National Treasures Shield autograph. So, you have, so now you know the absolute top of the Daniel Jones market. And honestly, <laughs> you know, it's crazy, though, what's going to sound good. And, you know, how rich for that guy to be able to take that kind of just gamble. It's basically a $56,000 gamble for this one season. Uh, but if it hits and the Dable offense is doing what we expect it to do, that is that card is 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 worth more than fifty-six thousand dollars, right? A nine-five yeah. logo, uh, you know, shield auto of a quarterback in the NFL. If it's a good quarterback, is worth more than that. So, um, really crazy, but you know, good good for for that guy. Um, should say by the way, Elijah Mitchell Waller also week seventeen correlation. So some good stuff there uh, as well.
0: Love it, man. We're, we're just building this team right, I think.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. So now with taking Mitchell and Eckler, I'm probably good waiting on running backs till that kind of 90 to 100 range, which is like Chase Edmonds, James Cook, Melvin Gordon, yeah. these guys that I think are solid RB3s. Uh, as far as quarterbacks are concerned, yeah, I'd be looking at Brady soon um, if we can get him, which is also right around this ADP. I'm a little weird about taking him over Russell Wilson. I think that Denver offense this year is so great, but given that we don't have any of the Denver pass catchers, I think I would be okay. And they're all similar ADP uh, hopping on Brady here. And now what Wilson goes, I would take him here in the seventh. Cause I don't know or know, or think he'd get back to us at number 90 overall uh, in the eighth round. So how do you feel about, you know, linking up Brady and Evans?
0: Yeah, I'm fine with that. I think we close out that stack. Uh, I think that makes sense.
1: Yeah. So it's a couple, you know, only uh, what three and a half picks past ADP uh, earlier than ADP, which I don't mind for a quarterback, especially uh, if you're trying to kind of, you know, close down a stack or some correlation or whatever it may be.
0: You know, and then, and then we've got the reports now with Leonard Fournette looking fat in camp, 260 pounds in camp. Maybe there's, is Rashad White still on the board or is, oh, yeah. has his, definitely his ADP on the board. Scott?
1: Uh, he's he's, it's going to start going up a little bit, but yeah, he's still mid 11th round about 10th. 11th so that round, could be, so. that
0: kind of fits our running back profile where we can maybe Absolutely. take him late. Maybe he's a guy that, that earns more work with this, with this training camp news.
1: Yeah. I'm not too scared off of Lenny and like, I'll be buying the dip on him in general. Mm-hmm. Um, I like Rashad White, though. I have a lot of him in best ball already. My my only concern is Tom Brady and rookies, right? It's the same reason why <laughs> right. I think everyone's forcing themselves into Cameron Brate and not like take, I'm, I'm taking some shots on Kate Otten who was their rookie tight end in the last round when I get Brady stacks, which I think is something to look at as well. Um, but I think people are just so terrified of like trusting rookie pass catchers, rookie running backs with Brady, but Hey, if their personnel just might force it this year, you know, so um, I don't think it's out of the question.
0: See, Dak Prescott goes off the board there with the seven nine. Yeah. What, what's your take on this Dallas offense? Obviously, it's going to look a whole lot different this year than it has in years past. We got the Michael Gallup injury. We've got Amari uh, Cooper obviously shipped out of town. It's going to kind of be the Ceedee Lamb show. Uh, do you think that Ezekiel Elliott still is the clear cut RB one? Do we think Tony Pollard eats a little bit more into that offense? And what do we think about Dak Prescott as a whole in terms of his card market?
1: Yeah, I think the hate's gone a little too far on Dak in general. I mean, I think people expected him to be, you know, this top five quarterback again last year. And we did, too. If you remember the best ball mania draft, we did. We, we actually ended up with a Dak stack last year, if I recall correctly. Um, and I just think that's not necessarily fair for coming off such a gruesome injury. Usually we'll see the year after something like that. He's saying he's in the best shape in the world. Um, by the way, I'm all about value hunting here, and if we're about to get like somebody like Drake London, who 15 picks past ADP, if uh, this guy doesn't take him, I think that's something you just kind of jump at. Um, but yeah, I'm 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 interested in Dallas this year uh, a lot. Actually, I think Dak's going to have a nice bounce back year, uh, and this guy took took London there, so we're on the clock uh, here. So um, I'm looking in this point, I'm looking for value. Um, obviously, we don't have too much crazy value like that that just went off the board, um, but. You know, I think you see Christian Kirk here. They paid him a lot of money. I think we're both more bullish on this Jacksonville offense with, with Doug Peterson. Um, and, you know, you're getting him still a good six, seven picks past ADP. You know, you, you put him in a receiver room with three guys that we trust a lot. I think that's a, a solid pick there.
0: Yeah, agreed. It's it's going to be really tough to overstate how much this Jacksonville offense is going to improve from last year with Urban Meyer, obviously rookie quarterback. I think that whole team was just an absolute mess. Now you, you can disagree with some of the stuff that they did in terms of how they paid Christian Kirk and some of the team building things. But I think this offense, uh, just in general, is going to be a lot more efficient this year. And I think Trevor Lawrence is gonna be a lot more efficient. Christian Kirk may not be a wide receiver one, that, but they paid him to be a wide receiver one, and I think he's going to earn those opportunities. So, like yeah. that pick where we get him after ADP. And,
1: you know, when he's been fully healthy, especially the last couple of years, we've seen him produce. Um, and yeah. I and and you know, I, I want to put a bow on Dak, and then I want to talk about Trevor Lawrence. So those will be our, ne- our next few topics because I'm bullish as hell on Lawrence. But let's put a bow on the on the Cowboys to answer your question. I think Pollard's a better running back than Zeke. I think that's pretty consensus around the league right now. However, if you're talking about where Zeke's going in draft, and right I see him go 43 um it's kind of crazy to me i i don't love him as a talent but the money speaks more than anything else right now i think that the production will still be there just from a, a volume standpoint if he's healthy uh, i think he's interesting where he is but i think in general lamb goes into first round zeke goes middle fourth round pollard usually goes around the seventh end of the seventh round uh you know and then you have dalton schultz who's also going in the fifth sixth round there's a lot of equity on this team um you know gallup will come back at some point i just think dallas's offense will be even more dynamic than last year more more along the lines of what people expected going into last season even with amari cooper away from things so i'm interested in that
0: and Dak, Dak is really cheap if you're interested in investing in his card market comes from that 2016 class where it's the the prism silver is his base card his psa 10 in that card has a pop count of just 1200 down to 368 dollars last sold so if that's somebody you're interested in uh can get can scoop up Dak pretty cheap right now
1: yeah exactly exactly um so yeah i mean looking at the board here we're we're about four picks away and then i want to have the trevor lawrence jaguars conversation um who would be someone that i have my eye on for for uh, qb2 now um you know we had ryan reynolds on he was talking about how he was excited about lawrence in the peterson offense as well um was hoping for a clyde edwards alaire drop there just to kind of have uh, some value there i'm okay waiting on running back once again here um you know anyone that stand out to you here i mean you know we can you could go quarterback again uh we can go to Eric Carr if we want to do something like that uh and have both of those guys which i have no problem with at all
0: uh, yeah i think we can lock up that stack and then do you feel pretty comfortable here just having the two quarterbacks with their yeah, Carr right. and so if Brady? we didn't take
1: car i would have been looking at a lawrence or even a mayfield at the end there but now with these two guys the only thing you wish is that there was some rushing upside within these two But yeah. hey you know if if the if the touchdown equity and pass game equity is going to be there from what we expect out of both those offenses. Hopefully it doesn't matter. So I like that. I like that we got both those stacks. Uh, we can look at, you know, some guys like Rashad White and some of those Bucks tight ends later on as well to kind of wrap, wrap up some of that stuff. But no problem with the Car Waller uh, skinny stack. Now we have the Elijah Mitchell bring back as well there. Uh, so like, like some of the Week 17 stuff we have going on in both those stacks.
0: It's, it's really funny. Before you get into Trevor Lawrence here, it's really funny to look at Derek Carr's card market. Obviously, after the trade with with Devontae Adams, which just completely changes the trajectory of the Raiders season, you see his card market spike just out of this world. And now down uh, the last month, it's down 35% already over wow. the last three months. It's been up as much as $199 down to $73 back up to $115. So I think this just illustrates kind of the volatility of these markets, especially when they're influenced by players changing teams. If you were someone who was lucky enough to be holding on to Derek Carr, when that trade got announced, I hope you did the right thing and sold it immediately. If you ever wanted to get back into the Derek Carr market, <laughs> there's certainly better times to do so, but to see it spike as much as it did uh, just because of the trade announcement was, was pretty funny to see. Yeah.
1: Yeah um all right so we're on the clock here I, I i'm of two minds i'm i'm either let's take value here at like 13 picks past adp with a robert woods who i i'm i'm you know again a little scary coming off the injury but i think people are going too far for the heat on the tennessee offense and then also i think guys like james cook and Ramondre stevenson are, are interesting here so i'll let you quickly take take the choice
0: yeah why, why don't we take woods because i think maybe one of those guys in james cook or Ramondre comes back to us here okay, which would be nice hopefully yeah, right. hopefully
1: and we're building a really nice receiver room here right we have uh if anything, it's, it's kind of a high floor room. Um, yeah. I think DJ Moore's ceiling is really high this year. I think uh, Juju's ceiling is really interesting. But like the Evans, Kirk, Woods, I think as long as those guys stay on the field, they give us a nice floor. So this is the kind of team, just to kind of look ahead, that I would maybe even be looking at like a Will Fuller at the end of the draft. Something like that. Like take some shots on you know some really big play or even Gallup if he made it back to us in a round or two uh some guys that can come back later in the season have really high upside not that this team doesn't have a high ceiling but i think the floor is really nice i'd like to give it some more ceiling as well
0: yeah i think that's such a good point too and just just mixing and matching the profiles and the archetypes of your whether it's your running back room or your wide receiver room just mat- mixing and matching guys that have the high floor with the high upside i think we can kind of do that now with a running back room as well get some guys that have contingent value uh, but also guys that if, if for some reason, a guy ahead of them goes down or if they just earn more work than we're expecting could just go nuclear. Uh, and I think we can start doing that. You know, guys like Rashad white, who also fits the correlation of this team. We can also do that with guys that have the pass catching ability, just mixing and matching those profiles to build an overall good roster. Uh, I think makes a lot of sense at this point.
1: Yeah. So Rashad white's the guy that I'm hoping makes it back to us at 127. Oh, our guy Winky's in this draft. I didn't realize that. Uh, what up to, to Winky. Um, but yeah, Rashad White, uh, his ADP is 126. We're picking at 127th here in the 11th round. So let's hope he makes it back to us. Um, I'm seeing this a lot with Corderell Patterson, which he's still, still on the board here. Uh, You know, hard to not be skeptical about him repeating what he did last year. Obviously, uh, on the wrong side of of 30 there, they brought in Tyler uh, Aligier. I don't know how to properly pronounce his name. A rookie running back from BYU uh, who goes around the uh, 13th round. Um, But, you know, and just in general, not being bullish on that Atlanta offense. That's why you kind of see him slip past ADP like that. That said, if White goes before us and someone like Patterson is still there, you know, almost 20 picks past ADP, I would jump on that kind kind of thing as well
0: but I cut you off on Trevor Lawrence a couple of times. So, so why don't you give me your take on Trevor Lawrence? I know as a guy that we talked a lot with, with Ryan as a guy who could take this big, big second year leap. What are your thoughts on Trevor Lawrence as we head into training camp?
1: Yeah, obviously. And damn Rashad, White just got sniped from us. Ah, My winky Winky too. Um, Yeah. (laughs) I mean, obviously Lawrence, you know, he's not cheap right now. It's, and I don't know if you can get any numbers up from card ladder of the reason prism stuff while I kind of ramble here, but he's not cheap, but I do think that, you know, the second he starts matching what we all expected him to be out of college on the field production wise, I think his legs are going to be used a lot more this year. Um, you know, you're going to see, uh, you're going to see those those numbers go way, way, way up the second he hits the field. Uh, interesting spot we're in here, real quick. I I kind of don't want to reach on one of these running backs. I mean, we're in the range, but I at this point I kind of would just rather hammer in these middle middle tier guys in the next couple rounds and grab one more thing of value here. So. We t- I mentioned Russell Wilson before. I really want exposure to this Denver offense this year. We're about almost 12, 13 picks past ADP on Tim Patrick, who whenever he's on the field is, is a really attractive talent. I think both Judy and Sutton have had injury problems in the past. And now we're basically also giving us a ceiling play as well with him. So kind of made the decision to go, go there uh, on, on that round.
0: Yeah, Tim Patrick has been an absolute baller. Now, granted, some of that time that he's been earning targets at a, you know pretty pretty uh, elite level has been with some of those guys off the field, but I think as long as Tim Patrick stays healthy, even in this star-studded three-wide receiver offense with him, Sutton, and Judy, I think he's going to be a target earner. Getting him this late is awesome. Do you think there is some, uh, you know, some obvious upside if one of those guys happens to go down with injury?
1: Yeah, exactly, I, and I've been taking him a lot. When he falls past, I, I think he's fine at his current 80, but we got him a full round-plus past. Uh, where he normally goes a little over around so um yeah soon now i'd be looking into this this tier of running backs coming up here which is basically damian pierce uh, naeem hines daryl henderson michael carter all these guys that i think have pretty set uh pass catching roles second running back roles can can kind of put up some spike weeks on their own while also having some real upside we could also take the pure handcuff and isaiah spiller who's coming around right around adp so we'll look at those running backs coming up at this next pick but to put a bow on Lawrence, yeah, man. Like I, I, just think that he's gonna be no matter what, how high he gets in this offseason from the and prism stuff, he's gonna have a lot more room the second he does it on the field. And and I'm a believer that he's gonna do it on the field. So I was buying up some Trevor Lawrence where I can get them right after release, kind of his color refractor stuff. And I keep I keep I have notifications on for auctions on some of that stuff, even just raw to try to grab some. Um, you know, I am I'm bullish on what those can become this year for for sure.
0: Yeah. And it looks like his price has started to settle in just looking at his base or excuse me, looking at his uh, prism silver uh, over the last 30 days current price right around $120 in his prism silver Raw. So it looks like that price has settled in, obviously, right after launch, you're seeing those things go for 230 240, 40 to 50. So uh, just another good reminder to keep an eye out for those auctions and, and to not buy too quickly after pro- pro- prices are released.
1: Exactly. Uh, I don't know how you feel about handcuffs in general. I'm curious. Do you have a, you have a take on it? You know, I'm of the mind that if we're taking Austin Eckler first,
0: we're taking him to stay healthy, to be an absolute baller and to kind of ball out. So I would prefer not to take the handcuff in this range, but I kind of like those other guys, Henderson
1: and Carter. That's totally fair. I, I, I think Henderson's interesting here, right, right at ADP. The other, the other interesting thing about Henderson, uh, we're talking, first of all, he was good last year when he played, right? He, Mm -hmm. he, He was solid. Uh, Cam Akers struggled a bit. I think that they they want to have that kind of be more of a, um, you know, I, I don't think they want to put all that load on Cam Akers again necessarily to keep them healthy, to try to, you know, repeat what they did in the Super Bowl. But also, uh, you know, we talk about the Spiller handcuff. Uh, Henderson's a Week 17 correlation with Eckler uh, as the as the two as the Battle of L.A. Um, I think taking these kind of guys that are going to have roles, that can have expanded roles at this point, is the way to go with kind of our hero RB build. So I like Henderson there.
0: Yeah, our last exposure to Cam Akers in the playoffs was not good. No. You know, they wanted to use him as a workhorse. They tried to use him as a workhorse, gave him as many opportunities as they possibly could, but man, he was just inefficient as all get out. So yeah, I don't. I, I have a tough time seeing Daryl Henderson, Henderson being completely washed out from this offense. Uh, would be awesome to see him earn more of a role here, where we get him in, at ADP.
1: You make a good point about the handcuff thing. I'm, I'm always of two minds with it. I mean, I think yours is the, the right uh, mindset to kind of have a baseline approach of it is saying we're going to assume everything is right. That's what you have to do in best ball. You're assuming you're, you're nailing every single thing. So don't go, you know, to take value, take guys that make sense from a correlation standpoint. Don't necessarily force things like, like handcuffs or, um, you know, third quarterback, whatever, things like that. You want to you assume that you're correct. The other way I look at some of those things is okay, well, if I take both these guys, I think like a Cook-Madison is an interesting example um, or, or specifically, you know, someone like Spiller or Eckler, I'm thinking, like, okay, well, you know what? I'm just locking down this backfield. So even if there's a game where Eckler just gets hurt mid-game and can't, just misses a half or whatever, you're, you're at least you're locking down that entire backfield. The problem with someone like Spiller is I don't know if that's necessarily true. They still have Justin Jackson and Josh Kelly there. Spiller's a rookie. We have, you know, we've seen them kind of mix and match all these running backs before. So I think that was a, a smart uh, place to pass up there
0: yeah exactly and i think like you said if if we're building our team as if every pick that we make is correct we're expecting austin eckler to be an rb1 week in and week out if he gets hurt our team's probably dead anyway it's probably drawn pretty thin uh to end up as a championship right. winning roster right. so exactly. let's let's assume that austin eckler is is truly an rb1 is an absolute baller this season and and hope that his backup doesn't get much work
1: yep uh completely agreed there um So you know, I I would probably feel more comfortable getting our fourth running back here because I think it does fall off a cliff after the uh, 160s ish. Here, I'm okay. Interested. I'm interested in playing, taking some upside plays uh, if we want. See, like I think Michael Carter is someone that's really undervalued this year, um, given that his pass game role was pretty elite last year. But then when you spend the draft equity on someone like Brees Hall, like the Jets did, who's an interesting name in himself, I think you can kind of question what the ceiling is going to be on someone like him, where these other guys are rookies that could really establish themselves. So I think taking someone like one of these three here makes some sense. You have a, you have an opinion there.
0: Yeah. I kind of like the, the Tyler Algeyer call. I haven't done much research on him nor heard much about him, but is, is he somebody that, that we think could get like full three down work, yep. three down plus goal line work in Atlanta?
1: Yeah, I think exactly is exactly right. I think that there, there's a lot of, I was reading some beats actually about him yesterday uh, that expect him to kind of come out as the bell cow of this offseason. Obviously, that's no sure thing. They did let Mike Davis walk, though, and it's really kind of just Cordell Patterson there. I think where his current ADP is for what he can become should be more alongside of what Damian Pierce is for Houston, which is about 20 picks before that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I get Alciditia. We don't have him ranked too highly, and that's more about, uh, I think, the Atlanta offense as a whole. Uh, that said, for a team like this, where we basically took Eckler and then we're taking some shots. Uh, and we have Elijah Mitchell, I think, should be a, a stable force. I think taking someone like uh, Legere, Al- I, 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 I probably completely butchering, butchering his name, makes a ton of sense for this team because the upside, and we talked about grabbing more ceiling, the upside, I think, is is definitely there from a volume standpoint especially. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, and maybe one of these guys, Michael Carter, uh, Kenneth Gainwell, Khalil Herbert, one of these guys that's got that value if the guy ahead of him goes down. One of those guys would make uh, a ton of sense him back to uh, as we come back. We yeah, have no, one totally tight right. end on this roster still, right? Do we need to look for another tight end at this point? Are we still a little too early since we kind of took that hero tight end with Darren Waller in the fourth round?
1: Actually, if any, yeah, if anything, I, I wouldn't even hate this being a three tight end build. Um, you know, we've seen Waller have a little bit of, of injury struggles as well. I think our receiver room's really, really solid where I don't mind taking a third tight end. I'm not saying we definitely will do that. I think it's something that's an option on this team. But yeah, I think actually grabbing someone with some ceiling coming up here would Make a lot of sense, right? Uh, to me, this is the guy that I'd be looking at a lot this offseason. We, we saw him give him the bag. Uh, Austin Hooper's out of the way. Um, we're Again, we're not going to ever get into our own Deshaun Watson opinions, but it's sounding like about a half the season at max right now, which is crazy to begin with. But this is an interesting guy to me. I don't know how you feel about Njoku.
0: Yeah, saw PFT just reported or or had speculated that it's two to eight games now at this point for Deshaun Watson. We'll leave that whole situation alone, as you mentioned. But uh, if Desha- Deshaun Watson is playing, you know, 14 or eight to 14 games in this offense or nine to 14 games in this offense, I think it looks a whole lot better than if we get Jacoby Brissett for an entire season. And I think his outlook will improve. So maybe that that ADP will even rise a little bit here on Njoku over the next couple of weeks if that actually gets reported
1: yeah, th- that it's anywhere it between is. two and eight yeah. games. I would think it will. And we've seen tight ends be late bloomers historically, especially athletic tight ends. We've seen guys that really start to actually do it on their second contract. So you can make an argument for somebody I hate as well, Evan Ingram. But I think Njoku <laughs> yeah. uh, in this team, on this team, in this offense this year, uh, is someone that I think we're all excited about at ETR. And I like that tight end room a lot with Waller and Njoku. Uh you know, I think that the, the bottom could fall out on Njoku if, if, the, if the suspension is a little longer, whatever, which is why I would actually be willing to take. And the other thing about going to a third tight end, first of all, I'd want it with correlation, so I'd want probably one of the Bucks guys. But, but two, it gets a little bit different because not that many Waller teams will have a third tight end. So if Waller kind of basically completely falls on his face, you have a little or gets hurt or whatever. And again, I know we don't want to project that way, but I, I do think there's, there's value in getting different. So I think that's something to consider for later.
0: Yeah, and I think you have to think at that point, and at that late in the draft, is a tight end three adding more value to your team than whatever it might be—a wide receiver nine or, or and, and you I know, with, running back six.
1: And I think with our floor of receivers here, it probably would on this specific team. Yeah. So that's why I, I feel like about that. Uh, I'd be interested now if any of these three guys are way past ADP here. I think I know you know I think the the Tyrion Davis Price call is different than. The Isaiah Spiller call. Do you agree with me? Even though we have Elijah Mitchell, I think that first of all, and he just went and I'm sure Gainwell is going to go on us right here too. All right. Nice. So I think we take Gainwell. I think we take Gainwell
0: here. Yeah. But I think your point, the point that you were, you were about to make on Tyrion Davis price is a whole lot different than the situation on, on Isaiah Spiller, right? right? I think just completely different ADPs, completely different situations. If Austin Eckler goes down, uh, or isn't a, a true first round pick doesn't pay off that ADP. Our team is toast. But if Elijah Mitchell gives us eight good games and then goes down, then all of a sudden we've got his backup, who was probably an even better value at that point, Tyrion Davis Price, than Elijah Mitchell initially was anyway. So I think yeah. it is a completely different situation given the ADPs.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, completely agree with you there. And, you know, I think that especially with the Shanahan offense that wants to run, like they could both put up weekly value, kind of like, you know, a, a poor man's policy mm-hmm. type thing. Um Gainwell is really interesting to me. I love him when you get him this past, past ADP. I'm just interested in investing in that Philadelphia run game in general. I think they want to be really run heavy this year. So I'm pretty happy with where our running backs are at, I think if somebody was like, came to us at the end that we really wanted to grab a sixth, we can, but I think we're pretty good at, at these five.
0: Speaking of that Philadelphia offense, what are your thoughts, current thoughts on Jalen hurts as we, as we start to get closer to training camp now?
1: Yeah. I mean, I know, you know, the hype's been, been there for him this off season. Um, And again, at this point, I'm just looking kind of for value here. So we'll see kind of who makes it to us. But yeah, I mean, I think the hype's been there for for Hertz. And, you know, similar to Dak, I think, you know, one of those two teams probably comes out of the NFC East, can probably exceed expectations. Um, I'm probably a little bit more bullish on Dak as a buy right now than Hertz, but I understand all the Hertz love, and uh, I don't mind investing in him at all. I'm just, I still am more of a believer in Dak long-term as a kind of career-long, you know, pocket you know ability to do more things out of the pocket better long-term career numbers than than hurts you know right Um, exactly
0: as you get ready to take george pickens here in the 16th round that jalen hurts market has been hot man and it's starting to cool off a little bit i think the obviously the 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 aj brown trade had a big impact on his market but over the last six months people are pretty bullish right now on jalen hurts 441 dollars on his PSA 10 silver prism, up 69% over the last six months. So, you know, you see the season end, you see his season end around January. And since then, it's been a pretty steady climb over the offseason. So I think people are excited about this offense. I think people are excited about what Jalen Hurts can bring to the field. And then just adding A.J. Brown to that offense just throws fuel on the fire so uh, in terms of buys yeah i mean i'm, I'm very bullish on jalen hurts long term and this offense as a whole but in terms of buys I and mean, if you're talking strictly nfc east quarterbacks give me Dak over uh jalen hurts at at expected cost right now
1: yep yep totally um So, and by the way, that Pickens pick for me was a no-brainer. I Obviously, I know these drafts really well at this point, and I know everyone past that was kind of in the 190s, 200 ADP. We've seen Pittsburgh time and time and time and time again just dominate with their their ability to to grow and establish receivers. They took high draft back capital on him. They lost Juju Smith-Schuster. We expect that offense to be more competent under a mixture of Trubisky and uh, Pickett. I, I love Pickens at 186 there, and that's the kind of ceiling guy that I'm looking for. Uh, this late in the draft. I think this is going to shape up to be a 2592 or 2583, which means two quarterbacks, five running backs, either eight or nine receivers, and two or three tight ends. You know, I mentioned the guy Kate Otten before. I think he's going to be the guy that I think we should take a shot on in the last round here. Um, you know, I think w- when we get there, which is going to be in the 18th round, but I think. You know, he's a third or fourth round tight end for Tampa Bay. Supposedly Gronk isn't coming back. Uh, I think we know what Cam Bray is at this point. If he could just earn enough targets towards the end of the season, I think he could kind of be a really interesting player for for this team and kind of our, our Tampa Bay correlation. We didn't get our Rashad White correlation, so I think he's really interesting. Um, any of these receivers, though, at the top interest you here. I think we're pretty much at like the Wandale Robinson, Curtis Samuel, uh, David Bell. Those are our good ADP spots right now. Uh, yeah. I mean, do preference. you, do you
0: have any takes? I know I've heard a lot of buzz uh, just from, from Adam and, and Evan on David Bell as a guy that could possibly earn targets in that uh, Cleveland offense, I know we're kind of hedging our bets a little bit then if we go in Joku, but it uh, seems like David Bell is, is kind of the guy that could be uh, another guy that benefits if Deshaun Watson is not suspended for the entire
1: season. Yeah, if we get good news on Watson, that David Bell ADP is going ri- to rise about 20 spots almost immediately, which is what it was at the beginning of the offseason when people kind of – the, the Watson, right in like May and June. Um, so I like David Bell. I like all three of those guys actually. I'm happy we didn't take Wandel because he's I think he's actually my most exposed – overall player right now uh the giant stacks are really cheap so i <laughs> yeah. you know i find myself getting daniel jones and putting him with a, a tony and a wandale and a um you know a, a Galliday in uh you know whatever it is the the 11th round so these guys are also cheap that i kind of have a lot of that stack so i like david bell and i like curtis samuel this year as well uh really really cheap in the second to last round so some interesting names you could definitely get towards the end of the draft here and we'll see what happens like if we can make a decision you know, if someone like Curtis Samuel is still there, instead of going with the third tight end, I think that makes sense. You're getting him almost 20 picks past ADP, a lot of ceiling there. Um, you know, they still gave him a lot of money last offseason. There's no rumors on him being cut or anything like that. We expect the pass games to be a little bit more competent under Carson Wentz. Um, you know, no no reason to not be excited about a pick like that. However, if he's not there, uh, I'm probably more interested in kind of taking that shot on the third tight end.
0: Yeah, and I like where your head's at with that, too. I think it, it checks a lot of boxes in terms of fitting with the correlation, uh, helping our teams get a little bit more unique there with our final pick. And then also, you know, you've got the profile there. We we know tight ends uh, on the rookie deals. We know tight ends in the rookie year struggle uh, mightily, right? But I think late in the season, if he's able to earn targets, if he's able to earn the trust of Tom Brady could be a guy that does enough in kind of the championship weeks to push you over the edge and and really get your teams unique.
1: And that's my thought, and that's probably why I would actually lean to go him over Samuel anyway in this particular spot. First of all, we, we're, it's a skinny stack right now with Brady. Um, I think that he, you know, grabbing that correlation is, is super interesting. Not many teams are drafting Kate Otten in general. If Brady goes down, if they don't do anything else at tight end, he just might be forced to be on the field anyway. Uh, I think he can become a little bit of a safety valve. And I think, you know, the, the, the athletic profile is there for him as well. So I, I just say, you know, screw it, do it. It gets you a little bit different. Um, and you know I like I just like in these Brady teams when it makes sense to do something like that to, to to go ahead and do it. So.
0: Yeah, and I don't think we spent too much draft capital. You know, we spent the the fourth round pick there on Waller, but I don't think after that we spent too much draft capital on no. tight end in general. It so does, that's why I'm I, I would be either. okay there going three. If we had spent an earlier pick than Injoku on tight end, I would yes. be a little bit more cautious of going three in general. But I think our, our wide receiver room is really strong. I think we've got a good mix of profiles at running back, and I'm happy to to take another tight end there at the end
1: yeah it's a fun team um a little bit different I think going you know if we went two five nine two there uh it's it's which is fine to do um but you know not not too different again, a lot of Waller teams will have Waller and then like one pick probably even after injoku right like uh uh you know a uh, 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 cambrake for example as their second tight yeah. and just just have something like that I think going with an upside play like injoku who hey in the best case scenario, he can fall into the flex for us at some weeks right I mean if we have guys on buys or guys that fail here in the receiver room somebody like njoku can can score for him on his own right but on the, the 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 uh floor case for njoku is uh you know doesn't live up to his contract gets hurt again the bears uh the browns are with uh jacoby Brissett for most of the season and we're not getting anything out of him uh so i think that going three tight ends makes some sense there uh as you see i kind of name all my teams here um But uh, yeah, I mean, just taking a quick look and we'll name this one. So when we when we uh, do it and for people listening on audio, we'll take you through the team quickly. So our quarterbacks are Tom Brady and Derek Carr, both guys that were excited about their overall profiles of the offense this year. Our running backs, Austin Eckler, Elijah Mitchell, Daryl Henderson, Tyler Aligier and Kenneth Gainwell. Our receivers, Mike Evans, DJ Moore for that sweet, sweet week 17 correlation. Juju Smith-Schuster, Christian Kirk, Robert Woods, Tim Patrick, George Pickens, David Bell. We went with three tight ends with Waller, David Njoku, and Kate Otten uh, for a fun team here. I mean, certainly if the Bucks panthers game hits, we're in a good spot. Uh, you know, I think if Raiders 49ers hits, hopefully we're in a pretty good spot in Week 17. And then all we really need is Eckler to be, uh, you know, if Eckler can kind of outperform a Derrick Henry and one of the McCaffrey or Taylors, you know, this team should be uh, sitting pretty.
0: Yeah, really like the overall profile of this team. I don't think we went out of our way to uh, to make any stacks fit. I don't think we reached too much for the week seventeen correlation. I think we waited for picks to fall to us, kind of being value hounds out there, if you will. But then also built structurally correct with not too many running backs, not too many running backs in that running back dead zone, and then loaded up on wide receiver man because we gotta we gotta hope some of those guys provide those big big spike weeks that get us those winning scores. So we're we're hoping for two million. We're hoping for maybe even a million if we are at <laughs> the top overall scoring roster, uh, through the, through the regular season, but this was a a fun exercise. Your 71st overall draft and my
1: first overall (laughs) draft this season. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Uh, yeah, it was fun. Um, I'll be doing more drafts throughout the day. That's kind of where I'm at right now with, with what I'm doing before I pick up with a lot of my actual, uh, work that I'm going to get paid to do for football season this year. I'm, uh, I'm trying to build my best ball mania portfolio out. So I'll be about halfway done. I'm going to do 150 teams Uh, I'll be about halfway done probably by the end of today, and then we'll see kind of what my pace will be, because ADPs are about to drift, uh, you know, uh, drastically drift, and I think this will be a good way to kind of transition into wrapping up. While ADPs will also drift, I think card markets will also have an opportunity to shift here as training camp reports come out. So keep your eye and ear, and I'm sure if you're listening to this, uh, you already do this, but on the new the training camp news um, because. You know, certainly there's gonna be opportunities to to for off season buys, some off season sales for up for things, you know, if people get excited about something. Uh, I mean, you know, I think like you see Justin Jefferson go fourth overall, you know, you're only going to continue to hear amazing things come out of that Minnesota, Kevin O'Connell, Sean McVay camp. So if you're interested in Justin Jefferson taking a Cooper Cup-like leap this year to being the number one receiver in football, which I think is very much in the range of outcomes, I think your your, your time to – and I have no problem buying just based off that kind of theory, but I think your time to buy is kind of going to close in on itself very fast as training camp reports come out as as, as uh, preseason about to start. So I just think guys like that – you know you run if you're if you're looking to make some last minute offseason buy moves you're you got about a week or two i think before stuff goes crazy for big names so just keep an eye
0: yeah, i think that makes a lot of sense and one point that you brought up on the show that we kind of glossed over was just keeping uh ebay sales and ebay search histories saved so you get those notifications when auctions are ending i think that's such an important point you can catch sales uh, and auctions ending well below uh current asks and if you can ever catch those great time to try and buy low on some of these guys but as we get into the nfl season as training camp approaches as the preseason approaches in August, these, these by-low windows are going to snap shut as people are making their bets for the regular season. So this was a ton of fun. Uh, I'm going to start getting into more BBM three drafts. I've been very much uh, in the USFL streets, been very much in the golf streets lately, but this felt kind of like home getting back to a best ball draft. So uh, thanks for allowing me to use uh, to use youth to, to help me fulfill my dreams here of of drafting a (laughs) best ball team. And hopefully I can do a few more before the season kicks off.
1: Absolutely. Uh, we'll, we'll check back in uh, over the coming weeks, see how you're doing with your, with your best ball drafts, but yeah. Hey, uh, just some plugs for ETR. I mean, if you're listening to this and you know, not don't already have the draft kit, don't already have the uh, ETR football subscriptions, you know, I don't know what you're doing. A lot coming, lot coming, Has uh, you know, Fast and Furious from best ball strategy, uh, preseason DFS stuff coming up from, from the two people you're looking at or hearing, listening to right now uh, over the next couple of weeks. Uh, and just a lot of fun ahead as the football season comes. And, uh, you know, they don't even pay me to do these plugs. But if you, is it a draft kit? if you have a DraftKit Pro membership, you get t- uh, free $10 to underdog to begin with. And also if you use the code, I think your code ETR, if you're a new underdog subscriber, you'll get a $100 match also. So. Uh, you know, our friends over at underdog doing amazing things. Come get in on this fun at these tournaments. Cause man, it's, it's truly the best. It's my favorite form of fantasy other than DFS these days, for sure.
0: So. Could not agree more. We will be back next week, probably talking more micro specific sports card related stuff talking over all the releases, all the recent sales, all of the recent information you said national is next weekend.
1: Yeah, not this weekend, the weekend the weekend after in Atlantic City. So I'll be going down for a day or two just kind of do my own selling. I don't have a table or anything. I'm just going to kind of do I already have some networking I'm doing about some p- possible big sales. So I'll talk about my experience in 2 weeks. Assuming I did make the trip down to Atlantic City, uh, but we'll talk about kind of leading up to the National and how yeah. the card market's impacted that. Because, because every year it is, and I think it's going to be a good thing for people at the card market because the National actually kind of resets some some market stuff in a good way. Uh, and I think that we're going to see a lot of attention and hype around card sales over the next two or three weeks that all of us invested in the cardboard space should be excited about. So
0: perfect. We'll be a great time next week to hit on all that as we lead into the National and to get your thoughts in a couple of weeks as. You go down there and we wrap up on all of that information. We'll get out of here today on that for Gary. I'm Cody, we'll see you all next week.
1: Take care, everyone.